welcome to another episode of Titus Talent Talks. And we are here with uh, David Weiss. And uh, I'll let him introduce himself in a second here. We also have Scott Seafell, the president of Titus Talent Strategies. And we are here to talk talent, talk about what's going on in the industry, some of the trends that are happening, but uh, also some, some great takeaways of what can I do about it. Um, we are passionate, passionate about people strategy. And one of the areas that we have served companies in is the healthcare industry. We love to get experts in to talk on the topic of talent. So here today with us, David Weiss. David, tell us a little about yourself, who you are, where you're from, what you do, and uh, we will just riff off of that. Awesome. Well, thank you guys very much for having me on today. Um, as, as you mentioned, I'm David Weiss. I'm the Chief Operating Officer at Advent Health in Daytona Beach, Florida and uh, have served in uh, executive level leadership positions for a number of years now, and have always been passionate about um, our people and about how we develop and grow talent and um, how we engage uh, our workforce in the work that we have to do every day. So excited to be uh, on and talk over this important topic with you today. I love it, I love it. So I'm gonna take the first question, David. Uh, thanks again for being with us. Can you share with us how has the workforce planning challenges increased over the, the, the past eight months? Is it, has it stayed the same in healthcare? Has it increased? What can you share with us? Well, you know, the, really, I, I would say the workforce planning has, has probably been uh, the most disruptive that I've ever seen it um, over, the, over the last eight months or so. When you look at what happened with the, the global pandemic of COVID-19, uh, it really overnight shut down a lot of different um, healthcare operations and services. So there were um, certain sectors that became completely overwhelmed in the acute care areas, particularly where we saw these hotspots um, of COVID-19 activity. So, you know, you look at what went on around the world globally, you look at what happened in New York City um, very early on in the pandemic. Um, they were completely overrun, right? And trying to pull in resources from wherever they could get it because they didn't have the manpower and bandwidth to deal with it. And then you've got other healthcare entities um, that were all of a sudden completely shut down. And so now that you have your services completely shut down, what are you gonna do with that workforce? And some of that workforce shifted around the country to where some of that hotspot hot activity was going on. But it became very difficult for organizations to plan because all of the volume variables that we typically would project or plan for were completely upended, right? And so some areas got completely overrun and some areas you had no work at all. And you look at states and areas, um, which was most of the country that shut down all elective surgery, um, that's an, an, a huge workforce now that all of a sudden isn't doing anything. So what do you do as a healthcare organization um, to retain talent through those very turbulent times. And it's, it's been a very tough year to navigate that for sure. Uh, we, we definitely saw that with a lot of our healthcare clients. It was really interesting. We had this, uh, like everybody was in sort of a panic mode and talking about talent. We had a number of healthcare institutions come and say, listen, please, we don't need to hire them right now, but could you go and build us passive candidate pipelines of this skill set? Uh, just in case. And, uh, you know, obviously the response is, you, you understand that everybody's trying to do the same thing. And so we're all going to build these pipelines of our competitors, people, in case we get swamped, you know. Yeah. Um, and, it's, and then it becomes this game of how am I going to, it's kind of this magnifying glass 
on something that we've had this war on talent for years. Right. Um, but how are we going to attract people to join our organization over staying where they're at? Maybe just talk about that a little bit. When it comes to talent attraction, how do you attract the A players in your space? What have you seen work? What Maybe some of the mistakes that you've seen made around you. Well, I, I tell you, I, I think um, I think what attracts uh, top talent is is really how you treat the talent that you have. And uh, I, I know that the team members um, that you have within your organization, as you um, treat them um, with the level of dignity and respect that they should be treated with, and you support them and you help them thrive and grow in their roles and in their work, they become your very best allies in recruiting additional top talent, right? Because uh, it, actions speak far louder than words. And any of us can go out there and, and have, you know, a, a verbose campaign of we're going to do all these things for you. But then when you actually get there, are you going to really do that, right? How, what was your onboarding experience? How are you actually helping these team members come in and be successful in their job and in their role? And if you do that and you do it very, very well, they're going to sell, um, sell you to their, their friends and their network um, all day long. And, and I think that's really the very best way to attract some of the top talent. Yeah, totally. Totally. I see that. I think one of those uh, the challenges and when Glassdoor suddenly came on the scene, everyone's like, oh, shoot, you know, now somebody's going to be, there's this anonymous dashboard where people can talk truths and untruths about us and, you know, we're yeah. all sweating. Um, and I heard one, uh, one executive in a human resource said, yeah, somebody needs to create a Glassdoor that's anonymous on our people so we can write about them. <laughs> you know, it's hilarious. But this whole kind of social media transparency, vulnerability and exposure is, is certainly cause a lot of organizations to up their game and how they treat folk um, because they know that it's what, however they, they treat them today is, uh, you know, it's going to be exposed out there. Um, and I hear some of these stats around, this one was a shocking one, that people determine how long they will stay with an organization, roughly, within the first 72 hours of employment. That they're, they're going home and telling their significant others, their spouses, friends, neighbors, oh, how's the new job? And the response is, meh, you know, I don't know. They didn't seem prepared for me. They didn't seem as excited as they did through the interview process, now that they've got me, there's, you know, little effort put into, you know, onboarding me well. I think you, you hit on some things right there. The, that experience, um, have you seen that change over time? I mean, as far as the experience that we have to provide for people to uh, keep them and retain them and develop them, what are some of the things that you've seen in that space of? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I think that has evolved significantly over the last few years, you know, organizations, especially top performing organizations, they realize that they're all competing. We're all competing for the best talent, right? And, and even in a, in a specialty sector like healthcare, uh, we compete against other industries for some top talent in things that we still need in healthcare, right? So, you know, our, our human resources teams, our marketing teams, all of these other teams, Yes, sometimes there's um, some healthcare uh, learning that can go along with it, but these are highly skilled individuals that could work across different industries. So we're competing against everyone, right? Just like just like some of these other industries are. And I, I think if you think about um, some some great work that's that's come out, there's a there's a fantastic book um, called The Power of Moments. I don't know if that's a, a book that you all are familiar with, uh, but in that book, um, they really walk through 
what does it look like to have a fantastic onboarding experience? And, and there's an example that has just really stood out to me um, from the John Deere company. And you know, when a, when a new employee joins John Deere, and, and they're obviously a global company, right? So when they've got a new employee that joins them um, in Asia, for example, they probably don't have a, an uncle or a grandfather that had a John Deere tractor on the farm that as a kid, they you know, went out and saw that green tractor and they had that attachment to you know, this cool American icon of the John Deere, right? Um, and yet they have found ways to make um, those new employees feel like the work that they're doing is the most important and most valuable work that they'll ever do in their life. And they've done that by the way that they reach out to them before they start their work the first day. They do it by the way that they actually meet them as they come in the door. And the first email that they have in their inbox as they start their day as a new employee is an email from the CEO of their company uh, telling them uh, about what John Deere is doing to change the world and how the work that they're gonna do is the most important work they'll ever do in their life. So if a tractor company is doing that, how much more should our other industries uh, wake up and pay attention to what it takes to actually really engage people from the moment that they're actually um, already committed to our organization? Because like you said, within 72 hours, there's a really good feeling for them. Hey, am I where I wanna be? Is everything living up to the standard that I want it to live up to? Yeah. And um, am, I, am I gonna be here you know, for the next uh, few years of, of my career? Oh, it's, those are some of the amazing things of seeing uh, the way different generations view employment. Uh, you've got the, the boomer generation and you see this whole theme of security. Job security was this big mm -hmm. thing. So in recruiting, it was people retire from here. And you think that's, that's great. Right. It's amazing for the boomer generation that has a strong, deep rooted value in security. And then you've got the next generation, which is uh, the Gen X is about significance. I want to be significant. I want my life to be significant and count. Then you've got the millennials and they're saying, no, no, I want freedom. And, oh my gosh, don't micromanage me. I just need freedom. And then you've got this next generation coming through the Gen, the Gen Z saying, no, no, I want purpose. It's got to, it's got to really be yeah. purposeful. And you're trying to tie those things, but you can't come with a, a boomer generation saying, listen, to a, a millennial or a Gen Z, you could retire from here. They're like, retire from here? I don't want to retire from here. <laughs> I'm going to go change the world. I'm going to go do all these things. You know, They're willing to pay you know, $8 for a coffee if there's a story behind it about how it's changing somebody's life of helping someone in a village somewhere. Like, oh, it's amazing. That's why I drink this. And everyone else is going, what are you, heck are you doing? You know, but it's yeah. this whole deep sense of purpose in what we do. And I think tying to that, I love that John Deere story. So what's the name of the book again? Uh, the Power of Moments. Power of Moment. Okay. Yeah. And, and I, would love, I would love to ask a question, David, on the power of moments. How have you brought that into the healthcare industry? Maybe you can share with some of our listeners um, some of the thoughts and, and some of the things that you've done, because uh, obviously that book has, uh, has, has been impactful to you. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think, uh, I think the, the critical challenge that I, I put out to our leaders um, from a lot of the, the work that's in that book is how are you creating true, unique, aha moments and experiences for your team, right? And, and it's, it's, um, it's something that we all have the opportunity to do, and it's the little things, right? Have you gone out to go understand you know, what this new team member um, likes to eat as a snack. And, and if you figure that out, do you have that favorite snack there available for them on their first day at work, right? Um, it's as you onboard them, 
you know, are you bringing them in in such a way that uh, they feel like they are a welcomed, valuable part of the team on day one, or are they showing up and get, getting down to a, a workstation that they don't even have a login, they can't get into their computer, none of the systems work or connect. And so it, it almost feels like they're now an interruption to everybody else's work that's around them versus now a new valuable, valued part of the team. And so as we've looked at um, the stories in that book and the principles in that book, one of the challenges that we've put to our team is we expect each one of them to figure out how to create power of moments opportunities within their team and how do they empower their team to do that for their coworkers as they come on board. And so there's been some amazing stories and examples that have come out from that challenge because people have taken a different level of ownership um, understanding that that those little details and and you know the other thing oftentimes in an organization people people are leaving their direct supervisor so there may be an incredible dynamic um, executive leadership team in an organization um, but if that frontline manager or supervisor that's directly working with that person isn't connecting or isn't building that relationship with those individuals especially in the generations that are um, up and coming in our workforce, as you touched on, they're out. They're going to move on to something else that's going to give them the opportunity to feel like they can contribute and have purpose in the work that they do every single day. Wow. I love that. That's that's um, that. There's really some uh, gold nuggets in there. What what other perspectives might you bring? Um, you know, I know we were talking a little bit prior uh, prior to the, this recording that. Uh, safety is an important component to the uh, kind of the workforce psyche. Maybe you can uh, share some of your thoughts on that. Yeah, well, you know, as you think about really having a, a, a strong um, workforce strategy right now in, in a year like we've had in 2020, right? I, I think that you have to figure out how are you addressing a, a fundamental need that we all have as humans of how are we kept safe? And uh, I think we've lived through a year where none of us have felt safe. Um, we have the, a virus that's raging around us uh, that knows no boundaries. And um, you, know, you, you, you couple that with, with some of the other um, social unrest and, and things that are going on across our countries and different communities there is a very real sense, and we've never talked about it as much as a society, of what does it mean to be safe, right? And, and you can look at that on many levels, from safety from the COVID-19 virus, safety from prejudice, whatever the, the safety piece is, but how are we actually trying to help keep people safe? So as an organization, um, I think that each one of us, regardless of the industry we're in, we need to think about the things that we can do and that are going to be clearly evident to our team members that we're committed to keeping them safe. You know, in a, in a COVID-19 pandemic, what are you doing to help prevent the spread of, of COVID-19 to your team members? Are you following some best practices? What are your masking policies, your temp checking policies, your testing policies, all of those types of things, they have to be part of your strategy today. And, you know, we all hope that that will evolve and change uh, over the coming months, um, but we don't know what that's going to look like. And we know that there are other things um, that we have to address um, across our society around um, injustice that's out there today. And how do we help people feel safe about that? And how do we help people feel um, like they can be a valuable member of our team 
um, and, and have the support of, of everyone around them and be successful in the work that they're doing. Love it. Love it. Wow. From physical safety to psychological safety, from this emotional connection with employees where we actually demonstrate true value and true care, not only in the recruiting process, the onboarding process, and then in the development and retention of people. Uh, some great stuff there. Massive thank you to David Weiss, uh, COO from Advent Health in Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh, thank you for being here with us today. Feel free to reach out to David on LinkedIn. Uh, obviously, you can find people there. Uh, but what some great gold nuggets there. And then also, I, uh, I would uh, encourage you to hop on Amazon, which I'll be doing right after this and ordering that book, The Power of Moment. Uh, and uh, obviously, you've pulled some great, uh, great tips out of there to, and tied it to your people strategy. Uh, so much so, uh, the new customer are our employees customer experience, customer service. We're desperately doing it to try and care for our people because people have choices. So thank you again, David, for being with us. Thank you, Scott Seafeld, myself, Jonathan Reynolds. Uh, tune in for our next session of Talent Talks on our podcast. You can find us on Spotify, on uh, iTunes, or on YouTube. Thanks a lot. Thank you, guys. <laughs>